This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you for your giving, hallelujah, and I believe with you that God's promise is coming true in your life, that He's opened the windows of heaven, pouring you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it, amen. Let me just remind you before we get into our message too, uh, go online at mypassion.church and of course you can listen to the podcast there, uh, but also there's a number of small groups that are meeting throughout uh, the river region, our city and everything, you can go on there, maybe find one that interests you, sign up. It's a great way to, to meet new people and to build relationships. That's what's important. You know, it's great that we get together for Sunday celebration, and that has its place. But, you know, it's kind of hard to get to know one another here. You're all looking at me. So, you know, it's hard to, but in the small group, see, there's an atmosphere there where you can, you can get to know one another, you can pray with one another, you can share with one another, because, you know, I know this, you have a depth of wisdom and a walk with God that, you know, that other people can draw from, and you can draw from them. So, uh, let me encourage you, go online and look at that, uh, our, any of our, our visitors that are here, maybe, I think one that's new in the area might be a good way for you to get to know some people in the area, so uh, take advantage of that. This month, we're going to be talking about Jesus, the light of the world. He is the light of the world, isn't he? He absolutely is. He said that about himself, and the scriptures make it very plain. And so we're going to talk about it. You know, uh, you know cr- the Christmas season's coming, and, and we're thinking about, you know, uh, people are thinking about Christmas, and, you know, there's all different layers, you know, in our culture about Christmas and everything, but... You know, for us as believers, you know, that other part, that, that's nice, it has its place. But for us, the center and the core about Christmas for us is Jesus, the light of the world. He came into the world. He came into this world that was, in, was controlled by the power of Satan, the power of darkness, as the Scriptures declare it. And He came into this place as the light of the world. And you know what? We need to seek the light. You say, well, Pastor, I'm already born again. I'm saying, well, I'm telling you what, there's more light to be had. Isn't that right? I know the biggest room in my life is the room for improvement. Is the room for growth. Amen. I want to know Him more. I want to know Him more intimately. How about you? I really do. Now, we know you can turn over to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. We're going to read a scripture there in just a moment. But you know, Matthew's Gospel tells us that Jesus was sought after, not by those who you would think normally would seek after him, which would be those who are knowledgeable about the prophets and the law in, in Jerusalem and in Israel. You would think those would be the ones that would really be, uh, you know, in the know about Jesus and, and, the, and the star that, that shone. And, 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 you know, as far as I can tell, if you read in Matthew, they didn't even know anything about it. Till the wise men showed up, the magi showed up, they didn't even know anything about it. And yet they should have been the very ones who were the seekers of the light. They should have been so in tune and seeking after it that they could see it. I wonder if they could even see the star. I don't know, this is just strictly my opinion. This is not Scripture, but nothing in Scripture tells us 
that any of them had any idea that the star was shining. You know, isn't it interesting? It seems to be people of faith whose hearts are open that really are able to receive the insight, the light, and the knowledge about Jesus. Isn't that true? And so we're going to look at, the, at, at these wise men. You know, they, they sought after Jesus. You know, and I looked it up, and it, it's over 9,000 miles from where the Magi came to Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem was about a day's journey. And isn't it interesting that many times those who should be hungry and those who should be seeking Him are so close, but yet they're so far. And yet those that are so far away end up finding Him because their heart is open. Isn't that true? And so I want to be those that even though, yes, I know Jesus and I've walked with Jesus in a fashion for 40-something years, but I want to tell you what, I'm still hungry to know Him. There's still, there's still things I want Him to do in my life. There's still things I want Him to do through my life. How about you? Because Jesus not only is the light of the world, but He went on to say that those who believe on Him and believe in Him, that now we become the light of the world because He's living in us. Wow. Say that backwards. Wow. John chapter 1, verse 4. In Him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to tell you something. Let me just encourage you. You know, we all go through. The Bible calls the Christian walk a fight of faith, doesn't it? It doesn't say it's a vacation of faith. (laughs) Boy, it would be nice if it was. It's a fight of faith, isn't it? And, you know, we do fight. We fight the darkness around us. Sometimes, you know, we fight our own flesh because our flesh is not redeemed. Sometimes, you know, that's the thing we're fighting, isn't it? We're, we're, we're fighting principalities and powers, yes, as Paul said in Ephesians 6. But it's a fight of faith. We're fighting against discouragement. We're fighting against uh, doubts that try to arise. We're fighting against all kinds of, of things that come against us and bombard us. It's a fight of faith. But let me re- encourage you with this scripture. He said, the light that is in you, the darkness that is out there cannot overcome it. I've shared this with you before. Way back in the day when I was in college. Way back there. <laughs> you know, I had a roommate, and he, and he liked to go spelunking. In other words, he liked to, uh, you know, d- uh, explore caves. And so I don't know how, but somehow he talked me into doing that with him. And man, we're, uh, I find myself, we're by, way back up into these caves, and we're calling through these spaces. And you know, there's about six inches between you and the rock face. Don't get claustrophobic on me. But, you know... Here's what I found out. When you turned out the flashlight, man, I'm telling you, you talk about dark. Man, I thought I'd seen dark, but that was dark. I don't know what blind's like, but that's got to be pretty close to it. I mean, you could not see anything. But you know, as, as dark as it was, as intense as it was, as strong as it seemed to be, you could light a lighter or strike a match. And you know what? All that darkness couldn't hold it back. That's what the Bible says, greater is he that's in you. Greater is the light that is in you, my brothers and sisters, than the darkness that's in this world. He said he is the light of the world. Amen. And you know, like the the saying is, wise men still seek him, don't they? Absolutely. Turn to Matthew. And this is the, the 
Matthew is the only one that really gives us insight about these magi. And, you know, and, and typically, you know, people refer to it as three wise men, or you see it on the Christmas cards, it's three wise men. We don't really know how many wise men there were. But there were three different gifts, so people assume there were three wise men. And that's okay with me. I really don't want to pick over, you know, how many angels can fit on the head of a pen. In medieval times, you know, they get into splitting hairs about things, as Paul said, that did not edify anybody at all, that did not help your faith. You know, so many times in the body of Christ, bless our heart. Boy, I'm telling you, God must really love us. Come on. Man, we, we get, you know, we, 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 we separate over the least little thing. But, you know, we really should be united over the main thing, and that's Jesus. He's the main thing, isn't he? And by, by that I mean no disrespect, but I mean that's what it's all about. We all believe on him. We all come to God by him. Isn't that right? He is the light of the world. But here in Matthew, we're going to read a couple of scriptures. Matthew 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Wow, you traveled fast, didn't it? They didn't even have the internet. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for it is written what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now notice this. He says, we have seen his star. Why didn't they see his star? I don't know. Why was it that there was 85,000 people at a football game yesterday, where are they today? <laughs> you know, the world gets upset, you know, if a church has 10,000 or 20,000 people in it. But nobody gets upset in the world because 100,000 people went to the Michigan game yesterday. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, the world gets suspicious. Man, if there's 20,000 people in that church, they must be doing something wrong. Well, the other could be. They might be doing something right. But here they are, the religious rulers. They hadn't even noticed that there was a star. They were so caught up with their own little routines, their own little religiosity, their own little thing they're going through, that they were missing what God was really doing in that moment. But here are three magi who are not even a part of Israel, not circumcised, not part of the covenant, but yet they're in tune with God. So they go look it up. Now, doctrinally, they're on target, doctrinally, aren't they? Because they looked in the Scriptures and said, okay, now the, the Scriptures say, our doctrine says, you know, our orthodoxy says he's going to be born here. But then they did not, as far as we know, not even one of the Pharisees or religious leaders Went with the Magi. Wow. Boom. <laughs> then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, You go. I added the you, but that's implied, isn't it? You go and you search carefully for the child. And when you find him, you come back and tell me. Boy, that sounds like so many questions I've 
net. Can we get a handheld? Because I know this is distracting, isn't it? Hold on a minute, guys. Let's do something with this thing. I mean, you know, fix it, burn it, something. I don't know. All right. But, you know, it's so many Christians like that, so many people like that. You, you know, you, you go and you find out for God for me, and, and you, you tell me all about what I should do and how I should do it. That's not Christianity. Christianity is this, that, that we have a personal, yeah, there's a corporate side to the body of Christ, but we have a personal relationship. I can hear from God for myself. I can hunger for God for myself. I can seek after God for myself. And so here's these magi. They traveled a journey and a process, and that's really what it's about, isn't it? Christianity is not, not only a, a time in our life where we met Christ as Savior, but it is a journey and a process that we come to know Him more and more as Lord of our life. As a friend, isn't that right? As a partner in the kingdom. As a prayer partner. Amen? How would you like to have a prayer partner that never showed up? <laughs> I think I'd want to get a new one, wouldn't you? And speaking of that, we're having prayer here tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. So I hope you show up. Because Jesus will be here. The Holy Spirit will be here. Amen. But it's a journey and a process leading to what? Progress in our life. And I see these magi. They, there was something about them. There was a hunger about them. Yeah, maybe they didn't have the pedigree that some of these Pharisees did. Maybe, you know, you know they can't say, you know, great-grandpa, you know, helped start this church. Well, that was great for great-grandpa. You know, he had a relationship with God. But what about you? You know, these magi came over 9,000 miles to seek out the light, but the religious people couldn't even, you know, go to the next town. Wow. It's a journey. It's a progress. And, you know, and we need to understand that. It's a process. And this Christmas season, listen, hearts will be turning toward the light. They might not understand the light as you understand the light. They may not know Jesus that way, but there, there's going to be hearts that will be open to it. And you have, and you are now because He's living in you, you're the light of the world. Listen, God didn't save you just so your life would be better. He wants it to be better, yes, but that's not the ultimate aim. He said, you go and take what you've received, freely you've received, freely give it to others. Isn't that right? He said, don't take the light and hide it under, you know, uh, a bushel or a basket or put it under your bed. He said, let your light shine. And boy, I'm telling you, during the Christmas season, it's a good time to let it shine. People are more open to it. Amen? Man, if somebody can tell me happy holidays, I can tell them what the holidays are all about. Amen? <laughs> it's about Jesus. And wise men still seek Him, don't they? Look in Jeremiah chapter 9. Look over there. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. 
let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Isn't that what the, that's, that's what the world's about? But let the one who boasts boast about this. Now, God's telling us something we can boast about. That they have the understanding to know me. What does God want? He, God wants us to know him. He wants to be known. He wants to reveal himself. That's why he's, he is light. And the Bible says, in, in other scriptures, it says, And in him there is no darkness at all. At all. No darkness. They have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness. The world doesn't know a, a Jesus and a God of kindness. Now, they know about a God, you know, that's mad at everybody, that's ready to send everybody to hell. But what about, he said, they need to, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Kindness, justice, righteousness. God says, this is what, this is what really you could say, what, does, what is the light of God about? The first thing it's about is what? It's about it reveals that He is a God of kindness. He's a God of grace. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And the next scripture in, in John three seventeen says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him what might be saved might experience the same kindness that you experience, the same grace, the same mercy that you experience. Amen? So we are on a journey of knowing Him and of making Him known. Making Him known as the light of the world. And you know, these, these magi or wise men, if we want to call them that, you know, they had to seek Him by faith, didn't they? They started out on a long and, you know, difficult journey. Whether they came by camel, whether they came by donkey, whether they came by horse, but whatever way they came, 9,000 miles on any of those is going to take a while, isn't it? It took them some months to get there. It took some preparation to get there. It took some expense uh, to get there. It took some personal sacrifice to get there. Because they, evidently they left something at home to get there, didn't they? And so often... In this day and time, you know, we want to seek God. We want to seek Him and know Him, but not if it's going to cost me something. Mm, you know, I don't know about that. Man, they, they, at the church, they talk about commitment. They talk about giving. They talk about serving. They talk about relationships. They talk about knowing God. Yeah, that takes effort. Amen. Got any married folks in here? Piece of cake, right? <laughs> You don't have to do anything. Man, if you want to destroy your marriage, here's the recipe. Just ignore your partner. Make no effort. Be selfish. Do whatever you want to do all the time whenever you feel like doing it. And I promise you that relationship will absolutely, just be, I mean, it will go down. And yet, we think that with God, our relationship with God, you know, it, you know we can just do it on autopilot. I don't have to spend any time with God. I don't have to sacrifice anything to, to really have a, a deeper, ongoing relationship with God. Not. Seeking Him by faith. We must believe that we can find Him. Amen? 
We know this, Hebrews eleven six says this. It says, he that comes to God, we all know this scripture, must believe that he is. Man, something in these magi, these wise men, when they saw that star, they said, I'm going to tell you what. There's, you know, that's indicate, you know, there's something happening. There's a king of the Jews being born. There's a Messiah. There's a Savior. There's something unique. And, you know, and it's worthwhile for us to go find out. Now, see, a lot of people this morning, you know, couldn't even get in an air-conditioned vehicle to come to an air-conditioned building for an hour. No, I'm gone to meddling now, hadn't I? Hey, listen, when I stand before God, and you listen, I only got to please one person. Amen. And so do you. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to please your pastor. That's not, don't, don't be trying to please me. Let's please him. I said, let's please him. And I, but as your pastor, I want to tell you the truth. I don't want you to be here and you know, and you stand before God and say, well, nobody told me. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. It costs something for, to, for any relationship, human relationship, in your marriage, your friends, and, and your relationship with God. Amen. Absolutely. And it starts with faith. I must believe it's worthwhile. I must believe that I can know Him. I must believe that if I seek Him, because the next part of that verse says, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Well, I'm seeking God not so I can get a bigger house. Nothing wrong with a bigger house. That's not why I'm seeking Him. Man, y'all still playing around with the toys. I want to get to the real stuff. The real stuff is this, that I might know Him. That I might know His kindness, His righteousness, His justice, His grace, His goodness, His plans, His purposes. I can get involved with Father and Son. <laughs> Amen? I want my life to be more than just a dash between two numbers at the end of my life. Don't you? I know you do. So our journey begins here. What? It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith. And I mean, there's some days when you've got to push through. You don't feel anything. You feel like God's a million miles away. But by faith, I know this. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, I can boldly say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is in me. The Lord is for me. I'm going I'm to move on by faith. I'm not going to be moved by my feelings, by my circumstances. Hello. So we seek Him by faith. It must be, it's a faith journey. Then we must seek Him. Let me share some ways that we can seek Him. Not only does it start by faith, but we seek Him in the Word, the Bible. Light is understanding. In Psalm 119, 130, He said this. He said, the entrance of your Word gives or brings light. It brings understanding. It brings insight. So the first way we come to know God is through the Bible. If, you don't, if you're not taking time, you know, regularly, and I encourage you daily in the, in the Bible, in the Scriptures, listen, you're missing the great opportunity to get to know Him better. See, sometimes, you know, we just think, boy, I'm telling you, God, you just send an angel. If, if Jesus had just appeared to me. If there would just be a thunderbolt in my room. <laughs> We've all been there. But you know what? That wouldn't last your whole walk. Amen? 
I mean, is Jesus going to have to appear to you every day for you to stay saved? <laughs> for you to know it? No, listen, we have this Word of God, and we have the Teacher, the Holy Spirit, living in us. He said He would open up to us the truth of God's Word. So if you'll get into to God's Word and, and believe and expect the Holy Spirit to open it up and teach you, light will come. Light will flood your innermost being, and it will give you understanding about God, about who He is, about His plan and His purpose for your life. Mm-mm. So we have to continue in our search. Jesus said this to His disciples, John 8, 12. He said, if you continue in My Word... If you continue in my word, he didn't say if you hear it one time. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Free from what? Free from darkness, isn't that right? Because that's what Jesus, he's the light, he's come to set us free from darkness. Every area of our life, God wants light. So we need to continue. Secondly, how we do, do we seek him? We seek him in worship. Well, I tell you, I think this is a, an area where the church is lacking. We need to seek Him in worship. Why do we, we don't, you know, we don't start off here, you know, with worship because, you know, that's just church tradition. Listen, you, if you're dragging in at the end of worship, shame on you. If you come 30 minutes late to work every week, What would your boss say? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad at least you showed up. I don't think so. We honor our boss or our company we work for with integrity by showing up on time. I hope you do. And if we do that, we're not going to do that for God. <laughs> but here's the thing. I want to get a little deeper than that. Jesus said, in John 4, 8, he, says, he said to the woman at the well, he said, you don't, you know, because she wanted to split hairs about what, how we should worship. You say, you know, you say we've got to worship in Jerusalem. But now, uh, Jacob and our forefathers, they worshiped here. And they were missing the whole point. Jesus said, he said, those that worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, if we don't have any truth, how are we going to know how to worship Him? And if we are not sensitive to the Spirit, how will we worship Him? Isn't that right? It's not about singing two songs or three songs or whether we sing, sing choruses or hymns or this or that. Man, I've been in places where, man, they, they were singing. I didn't even understand what they were singing. And man, the music was really different. You know, the beat was different. All that was different. But you know what? I could still worship. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was there. The hearts of people were hungry for God. The hearts of people were reaching out to God. You know, here in America, we've got to have everything's got to be just right. Or that, we're out of here. <laughs> Ambiance has got to be just right. The music's got to be just right. And if I don't like it, I ain't going to worship. They need to get it right. Come on. I want to read you a script. Look over Luke 7. Love plus humility equals intimacy. 
This is what worship's about. Here's a picture of worship here. I, I love this picture. Luke 7, 44. Then he turned toward the woman. He was, he was speaking to the Pharisee again. You know, they were all upset because, you know, this sinner was touching Jesus. Oh, my gosh. And Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. Did you know that was an affront? In the Jewish culture, when you had a guest in your home, it was an affront to them if you didn't offer to have their feet washed. Hello. Worship is about washing the feet of Jesus. See, that's why I said it takes humility. He said, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. See, again, this was customary in the culture. But this woman from the time I entered, listen to this, has not stopped kissing my feet. You want to know what worship is? Kissing His feet. And some of you have stopped kissing the feet of Jesus. Let that sink in. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured out perfume on my feet. This is, you talk about a picture of worship. I, I encourage you, go back when you have time and read this and meditate on it. Listen, worship starts not on Sunday morning. It starts in your home, in your prayer closet, in your bedroom. It starts with you intimately, individually, worshiping God, kissing His feet, washing His feet. Pouring oil on his head. It's intimacy. It, it, it's humbling yourself and saying, God, you are the most important person in my life. I mean, let the dishes set. Let the rug stay unvacuumed. Let the grass stay uncut if it has to. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be a worshiper of the living God. I'm not going to stop kissing your feet. And when we, listen, I promise you, if we, were do, if we would do this during the week, when we came here on Sunday morning, you wouldn't be late for worship. Man, you'd be here, and we'd be ready to start worshiping, kissing His feet, loving on Jesus. Man, and I'd have, we'd have to get up here and just say, okay, we've got to stop. Because, I mean, we've got to do something else here. Instead of everybody out there looking, you know, at the, when are we going to stop? Oh, yeah. I've had people tell me, you know, worship's going too long. Excuse me. I want to tell them, go tell that to Jesus. Jesus, I worship you, you too long. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus' face? Can you imagine going into the presence of the Father and saying, you know what? Holy cow. I'm telling you, you'd be surprised what pastor's here. You know, y'all just take too long in prayer. Well, Paul said, pray without ceasing. I mean, how long can... And I understand we want to do... But listen, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize worship. Sometimes He wants to emphasize prayer. Sometimes that might be about somebody else and not you. Wow. So, see, 
this is, see, religion wants to, we want to put God in the box. We want to get everything lined up. Now, this is how you do church. We sing three songs, and then, then Brother Bruce comes and prays, and not too long. And then, you know, the pastor comes and talks about the offering, not too much. And then, uh, uh, you know, we have a sermonette. And then we can all go home and watch a three-hour NFL game. That's, that's worship. Boy, I, I just, I can't get off it today, can I? <laughs> Nothing wrong with watching an NFL game in the right place. But I'm telling you what, it tells you something about our priorities, doesn't it? We need to keep kissing His feet. That's what I'm saying. We're talking about how do we seek Him. It's a, it's a journey of faith. It starts with seeking Him in, in the Scriptures, in the Bible, in the Word every day. It starts by being a person of worship. Intimacy, humility, kissing His... Don't stop kissing His feet, Passion Church. Don't stop kissing His feet. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Jesus went on to say, He said, he said that He that loves much... I, I would say it this way and not change the Scripture. He that loves much, worships much. Jesus said, he that's been forgiven much, loves much. And I would take it the next statement on to that. He that loves much is going to worship much, because that's what this woman was doing. I mean, right out in front of God, the religious people, and everybody. I mean, she had no shame about it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of Bible scholars believe this was Mary Magdalene. And of course, she was a prostitute and no self-respecting, religious, self-righteous, I mean righteous person would be seen, you know, in the company of a sinner. God forbid. And yet, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Uh, you know, I don't think there's, what better words could we hear from God? Your sins are what better word, message, could people hear except what? Your sins are forgiven. Man, I'm telling you, that's good news for me. And then lastly today, seeking Him in prayer. And now here's the thing with me. Prayer and worship are just, I mean, they're like Siamese twins. I mean, you, you really can't separate them because I believe that if you start in prayer and you really seek God in prayer, you know, long enough. Now, I'm not talking about one of these lay-me-down-to-bed type times. You know, there's time for quick praying. There's a place for that. But there's time when we're seeking God. But when you're, you're really praying and seeking God, you're going you're to move on into worship. Because worship really is the highest form of prayer. Because we stop asking Him for what we need, and we start remembering who He is. Oh, man, He's, he's my Father. He, he's the one who sent His only Son. And He said if he, he sent His only Son, He gave that to us, how will He not now with the Son freely give us all things? Oh man, thank You, Father. Everything is mine. I, I don't have any need. I just want to worship You. I just want to tell You how wonderful You are. How much I love You. How great You are. How mighty You are. How good You've been to me. I love You, Jesus. I'm so glad to be in Your kingdom, part of Your family. I'm so glad that You've called me and anointed me and chosen me to go out and share the light. Man, and you just start kissing on Jesus' feet. Woo! Seeking Him in prayer. Desire always will equal pursuit. 
whether it's in the natural, emotional, or spiritual. You are seeking right now what you desire. Amen? I desired this girl right here on the front row 35 years ago. Yeah. And so I pursued, and I'm still pursuing. But what I'm saying is, isn't that true? If our desire is God, if we, our desire is to know Him better, it's, it's to, to seek the light. You know, desire is going to equal pursuit at some time. If you're not pursuing Him, don't tell me you desire Him. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, remember in Matthew 6, He gave us this dichotomy. He said, men will either pursue money or they will pursue the kingdom of God. We could say it this way. Men will either desire money and pursue it, or they will desire God and pursue His kingdom. Pursuit equals possession. Desire equals pursuit. You're gonna, you are pursuing what you desire. And what you pursue, you will possess. So I hope whatever it is that you possess, it's, I, hope it's, I hope you're happy with it. Man, don't be like the little dog, you know, barking and chasing at the dog. I mean, at the car every day till one day he finally caught it. <laughs> you know what in the world to do with it. But listen, you know, we need to cultivate. And you know, you have to cultivate this. I know life is busy. I understand that. We've got, we've got jobs. We've got, we're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. We're, you know, we're planning for the, you know, retirement. We're like, oh, all the stuff that's going on. We're trying to juggle that Maybe, you know, with kids and all that. I understand that. You know, I don't live in an ivory tower and just come down on Sunday morning and then I'm caught back up to the third heaven. <laughs> you, know? you know, my clothes get dirty. They have to be washed. <laughs> I have to put gas in the car, just like you, Shazam. I only got 24 hours a day, same as you. Preachers don't get 36 hours in a day. <laughs> so it's, I understand that. That's all the more reason I encourage you and exhort you with this is because I know how easy it is for other things to take up our time. You know, you know the, the, the story in the Scriptures about Martha and Mary. Everybody knows that story, don't you? Boy, it's so easy to be Martha. You know, and most of the things that we're doing, they're good things. They're not bad things. We're taking care of the kids. We're, you know, we're paying the bills. We're, we're working our jobs. We're, we're working that career. We're doing all these things that are, they're not necessarily, I'm not saying that they're evil or bad or anything, but they can steal all of our time. So that that thing which is most important, that is what? Knowing Him. Our time. Our time. You know, and here's the thing. Because God is so loving so gracious, so kind, so forbearing, He always ends up with the short end of the stick. We give Him the leftovers. Because we know He ain't going to get mad like, you know, our spouse will be. You know, we can ignore God for a good long time and He don't get, that, he don't get mad at us. But there's a danger in that. There's a danger in that. So we're going to seek Him by faith. We're going to seek Him in the Word. We're going to seek Him by being worshipers. And we're going to seek Him in prayer. Remember this. Desire equals pursuit. 
Pursuit equals procession. Amen? Now, let me give you some action points, and we're going to pray. Now, all of these points we we're going to expand on in this series. We're talking about seeking the light. Seeking the light. He's the light of the world. Jesus said that we are to be the light of the world. That's God's plan for us. Well, we have to seek the light if we're going to be the light. Amen? Because the light will not originate in any man except the man, Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? So here's the thing I would ask you today. Do you desire the light of the world, Jesus? Do you desire him? You know, be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me or confess anything to me. But I mean, at least be honest with yourself. Remember, I said desire equals pursuit. If there's no pursuit there, don't kid yourself. I didn't say, do you love him? I said, do you desire him? Because desire equals what? Pursuit. Pursuit equals possession. If you desire him, there's going to be some time, somewhere, you're going, to, what? you're going to pursue him. You're going to pursue that relationship. You want to know him. Deeply, intimately. You want, like we were talking, singing today as we were worshiping, we want to hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Most Christians I talk to, they don't know his voice. They want somebody else to tell him what God's saying about their life. You have a word for me. Yes, I do. A sure word. Amen. A sure word. Now, I would never intentionally lead you wrong, but I always tell you, no matter what I may teach or preach to you, you always go to the Bible to check it out. Isn't that right? I am not the final authority. The book, the Bible is the final authority. Amen. Then secondly, are you pursuing Him? Are you pursuing Him? You know, and if the answer to that is no or maybe or, you know, this is a good time at Christmas time. This is a good time to say, you know what? I'm going to change that. You know, and here's the thing. Don't, don't say, you know what I'm going to do? Man, I tell you, I really haven't been pursuing God, so you know, I'm going to pray for two hours. I'm going to read my Bible for, for three hours. That's a recipe for disaster. Isn't that right? They're like, man, I'm so hungry, you know, I'm going to eat a 10-pound steak. You're going to get sick. No, listen, start out small and work yourself up. That's just like if you want to get back in shape physically. You know, go in the gym and you slap 250 pounds on those barbells, you're going you're gonna to pull a muscle. You're going to hurt yourself. No, you start out small and you work yourself up. Start with 10 minutes. Read your Bible for 10 minutes. Worship God for 10 minutes. You say, I don't know how to worship God. Listen, anybody in here know how to ride a bicycle? Let me see your hand. Don't put it up half man. How'd you learn how to do that? I know. Your mom learned for you. No? Somebody said it. Get on it. Start pedaling. How, how do I worship God? Listen, you know, we can give you some suggestions, but you know, you just start doing it. And the first thing is just get along with Him. In your bedroom, your closet, your car, somewhere, get along with Him and let your focus be on Him for those 10 minutes or those 15 minutes. 
If you have to, start out, you know, with some training wheels. Put some worship music on. Not this, you know, some worship music. <laughs> that other has its place, but get some worship music that draws you into the presence of God. That's a, you begin to worship Him. Just thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for saving you, for giving you all your sins, that, that you're no longer going to hell. That's a good place to start. I sure am glad I'm not going to hell. How about you? And just start worshiping Him. Start out, you know, start out small. Don't start out, try to, you know, conquer the, the world with it. And then little by little, build it up. Little by little, build it up. And then maybe once a month, just have a special time where you're just going to give some extra time to, the, to reading of Scripture and just, just talking to God and just worshiping Him. And then, you know, you'll learn to listen to Him. Wow. Isn't that right? I remember years ago, there used to be a, Commercial, some of you may give away your age if you remember this. But there used to be a, a brokerage firm called E.F. Hutton. Anybody remember that? And, have, you know, it would be all these people. They'd be in a, a restaurant or something, you know, and everybody's talking. About, and, and a guy on the table way in the back of the room says, well, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and everybody goes, I mean, everybody stops what they're doing. You know, we should have an intimacy with God that there are times when we are just like those people, instead of E.F. Hutton speaking, God is speaking. Forget about that. What's God saying? What's God saying about your life, about your family, about your spouse, about your career? What's God saying about your health? It can be any number. God, God wants to speak to you. He just He don't want us to be like the religious Pharisees. We got all our doctrinal ducks in a row, but we don't know Him. Now I believe in having you know right doctrine that has its place. But I'm gonna tell you what I want to know Him. I want to know Him. And the only way to know Him is to seek Him. Amen. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Now, Father, we're talking about, about you, about Jesus, your son Jesus. We're talking about the light of the world. And, Lord, I pray that he is the light of our world, each and every one in here, that we, we know him. We know him as Savior. That's the starting place. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him as Savior, then listen this is not me saying it. This is not to condemn anything. But you know what? If you don't have the light of the world in you, then you're walking in darkness. But the Bible says that Jesus came to His own, and as many as would receive Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God. The Bible says this, that Jesus came. He died at a place called Calvary on an old rugged cross. He shed His blood for my sins, for your sins, so that you might be forgiven, so that you could receive the light of life. And all you have to do is believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and call on Him right now. And the light of Jesus, the light of the world will come into your life. If you're here today and Life has just got you so busy. 
so much trouble, whatever it might be, that it has stolen your intimacy with God. I, you're, I'm not saying you're not saved. You're, not, you're, you're still going to heaven. All that's true. But you know what? You want more than that. You're hungry and thirsty for more than that. And you want to use this December to be a time where you dedicate yourself to a greater intimacy, a greater pursuit of God. If you, while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, you say, that's me, Pastor. I just want to include you with this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or do anything except this. If you just raise your hand and say, you're praying for me. You're talking to me. You're praying for me. Hallelujah. Okay, you can put your hands back down. Father, you see the hands of those that were raised. And more importantly, you see their hearts. God, I pray along with them that, Father, all of our hearts will be stirred. That each one of us will stir ourselves up this month, oh God, to seek your face in a new and fresh way. Lord, not a, not a legalistic thing, but a delight, a desire thing, a love relationship with you. Father, that we will seek your face on a daily basis, that we will not stop kissing your feet. We will kiss your feet in worship. We will seek you in the word. We will seek you by faith. And we will not count our lives too dear to seek you and to serve you with all of our heart. Lord, I pray this for all those that, lay, that raise their hands today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.